0: Well, welcome everyone to the Sunday Recap. It's great to be here with you guys again. We are going to talk about work, 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 all day today.
1: <laughs> I love that you guys are working today and I am and you just are, you here, are here for the fun and the hey. laughs. laughs.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. No, um, this is good. No, it's, it's uh, great to be back with you guys, Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge. Welcome
2: back. We're here. How's it going? We are good. Here. It's good. good. I got a teething kid at home, so yeah. I'm a sleepy. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good to go. Yeah, totally.
0: How was Labor Day weekend? You guys have any plans to get get outside or went to the
2: mm-hmm. Purdue game? They got a W. Did yes. That was huge. Wow. Yeah, that was fun. Um, did there, that. Up. Took a few naps here and there. <laughs> nice. Hung out at the parents' pool. Did way less reading than I wanted to. Yeah, But sure. I carried a book about everywhere I went and didn't really read more than twenty pages. So. <laughs> Sounds like my summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. Cool. Cool. How mine, about, mine how about the, uh, the Eldridge household? Full of family. We had. Oh yeah. We had almost all the family in town, which was was wonderful. Wow. It's not a ton, but it it was uh it was my father in law's seventy fifth birthday, and so we were able to just have lunch together and um. That's fun. Yeah. Very cool. Really nice.
0: That's awesome, yeah. We didn't do very much at all. I did a lot of homework, so I,
1: good for you. I did.
0: I did a lot of homework this weekend. You labored. I did, but I will say the one thing that I did that was super cool was um, so uh, I I've been working. I have a little room in my house that's like an office. And, um, someone in the church, a friend of mine helped me with building some shelves. And, um, I, what I wanted to do was like backlight the shelves with led lights. Nice. And so I got all that up this weekend. Mm. It's sick.
1: I'm it's, sure it looks very so professional. Cool. Mm.
0: It's so cool. So, um, so my little kids, uh, there's like a remote control for it. And my little kids were like, I want the remote. I want the remote. And so they were like changing the colors on it mm-hmm. and making it strobe and like do all kinds of crazy things. That's but cool. Cool. it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. So, um, and I mowed my lawn. Mm, I do, you, do you feel
1: like you love your books more now that they're lit? Uh, now lo- that you can sit and look at them a little? <laughs>
2: Those uh, books are lit, bro. They're lit. <laughs> they're legit. Did
1: you like have a preference in which ones were at the forefront of your bookshelf? And mm. do you have like, um, an arrangement style or there is an arrangement you style. catalog?
0: He's color code. I I don't do color. That would drive me. I mean, I know people that do it and it looks beautiful, Uh but I wouldn't be able to find anything. So I kind of have a system, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty judicious about which books I keep from seminary and which ones I, I sell back and, or try to just, or I just throw
1: away. Okay. (laughs) I haven't felt like there's any that I need to throw, throw away yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a
2: few that I've had. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's no I game. just have I'm different gonna... degrees of my shelves. Like, yeah, yeah. There's the shelves the... on display, then there's the ones favorite. in the closet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Favorite, yeah. most favorite. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hide for sure, for sure. So, yeah. well, hey, uh, next Friday we got a big event coming up in the life of our church. Mitch, would you tell us about what's happening next Friday?
2: Okay, so um, next Friday, meaning the seventeenth. The seventeenth. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. I'm so bad with next. Oh, like in, you know, yeah. I'm like like well, next means not this one. It means the following. The one, following right? one. So yeah. you would say this Friday if you meant this Friday.
0: That's correct. So All not right. the tenth. Right. So the we're 17th. talking about
2: next Friday. Next
0: Friday, Friday the seventeenth. Friday
2: the seventeenth, food truck Friday here at the church. Hey, it's gonna be super fun. <laughs> we're gonna have food that come in trucks. What? And we're gonna have people there hanging out. As a church, it's going to be a super fun time. <laughs> what time is it? 5.30. Know? 5.30 p.m. This is a little bit we prepared. At, I I, Chris asked me, it. but I asked him all the questions back. <laughs> <laughs> totally prepared on this one. Yeah.
0: So uh, last time, um, so uh, Dan, oh, Vincent, music. Dan Vincent yeah, he's and back. His, was back with uh, – well, so he brought he, – he's got like a little band. It's like a two-man band, oh, yeah. and they do music. But his, his buddy can't be there this time. So this time, it's Dan Vincent – and Colin Meyer, mm-hmm. and uh, if you if you know Dan or Colin, first of all, both excellent musicians, they're both mm-hmm. on the worship team, uh, fantastic people, but I'm, I'm actually really stoked that Colin's up there. Yeah. Colin Colin is like one of the most genuine, awesome guys, and he listens to the podcast. He's a funny uh, dude. Aww, so shout what's out, up, Colin? Colin? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, he is legitimately funny. Like he mm, will oh, text yeah. me these random things every now and then, and I look forward to that every single time, <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: Awesome.
0: So Food Truck Friday, yeah, next, next Friday, the 17th, 5.30 p.m., church parking lot, be there. Bring some cash, buy some food, hang out with friends. <music> All right, party people, as Mitch would say.
2: Um (laughs) and your youngest now. And my youngest. I
0: I, okay, I will say this too. This is really funny. Uh PJ, I don't know where she picked this up from because I don't say it super often, but uh it's probably from me actually. But she started saying, Let's go, party people. Love it. And so we were heading out the door the other day, and she got she got her shoes on, she was waiting for everyone to get their shoes on, and she was standing at the door waiting to go outside and just yelled out, let's go party people. And she's two, (laughs) (laughs) she's two. I love it. It was so funny. Anyway, um, so we're going to dive in here to second Thessalonians chapter three, verses six through 15. We're talking about work. Um, this is a really, uh, kind of an interesting passage to, to preach on, um, You know, it was Labor Day weekend, so talking about work, like you said last week, you know, we might see a little bit of that uh, coming up this year. But, but I think this was actually a really great thing to work through, um, just because this is something that we do see in Scripture, both here in in Second Thessalonians and in First Thessalonians. But it's but there's this theology of work that kind of is. Uh, there's a thread of that 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 runs throughout the scripture, and so so I think what we want to do here today is let's we're going to look at the passage and kind of break down some of the things that we see in the passage. But I would love to dig into more of this theology of work mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah,
1: I have a question right off the bat. Yeah, whoa, I know
2: <laughs> early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've had more time to sleep and prepare yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so my first question is: Is work? Vocation only?
0: No. Yeah. What do you? Well, let's let's define. Well, let's define that. What do you mean by vocation?
1: <laughs> Is it what you earn a paycheck for only? Mm.
2: No. Okay. Explain. <laughs> no. We say yes or no. I I'd agree with you. But, okay. but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would say no. Again, so as I was listening to Scott's sermon, I was thinking too. Um, when we got to the point where we're talking about how we can. Um, the, he said, "You know, the light light shines most bright in the darkest places." I'm talking mm-hmm. about dark work environments. Mm-hmm. There is work that can go against <laughs> the work of the kingdom that people could be doing. So um, that that first off means that you could have a vocation that's not God honoring. It's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it that is, it is, it is truly possible. Yeah. So that's that's one side of it. The other side is there's uh, work is not about money, um, and so it's it's about honoring God, um, and so. I don't think it's because you get paid to do something um, doesn't validate that the work is either holy or unholy. Um, It's really out of a response of faithfulness to God um, Mm -hmm. that we, do work, um, that we live out the identity that we're going to talk about later when we get into the theology of work that's been placed on us. Yeah. And so I would say, man, you could do a, a lot of good work that you don't make a single dollar for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's your definition by vocation, um, I would say no.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting with the, the term vocation, I, that's why I think yeah. I wanted, I wanted a little bit broader, def, like bigger definition of that. Cause, Vocation, we typically sort of attribute that. I I would say Christians attribute that to what is God calling you to, you know, type of a thing. And so that was the next
2: piece I was going to get into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, so, but, but I would separate that out a little bit Uh and say, like, does it, does when we're talking about work here in this sense, is it, is it always the work, the work that we're doing to make money? No. Um, you know, so yeah.
1: Okay. good. Good. I'm glad that we have a little more, like, some. Categories to <laughs> what, chat about.
0: What, what did you? What, what did you? Well, think?
1: I mean, it wasn't lost on me that the first sermon that I sit in as a congregant again is <laughs> on work that <but> I just <laughs> just quit my job, just resigned, and so I was just thinking of through all these things as yeah. I'm hearing them from fresh, yeah. you know, fresh viewpoint.
2: Well, and we're almost drawing back because when you were saying like we're here doing work you yeah. know, in there. And I was like, like, hey, you're working. I know, like, I know. Like it is, was, I know. still consider
1: that Absolutely. anything for the kingdom is work. Yeah. It's a yeah. good work.
2: Yeah. And the point of making money in work is to take care of your means and your family, which mm-hmm. you're also trusting God in doing right. that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 again, the biblical per- perspective is that work doesn't have to do with the money that you're making. It may be a means to taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. right. but it's also um, just out of faithfulness to God um, doing what he's yeah, you know, called you to with sensitivity to calling doesn't have to be so specific, yeah, so narrow, yeah, right.
0: Just as an example of that, I mean, we see that right in the text actually in here where Paul is talking about the the work that they did in order to provide for themselves yeah. so that they could do the work of ministry. So the, the so he almost has them separated in his mind as there's work that he does for ministry, mm-hmm. but then there's work that he does to provide for his needs. And so we know um, Paul was probably a tent maker, right? So uh, so actually making tents and fabrics and, and things like that. Um, and he did that in order to, as a trade to make money so that he could do then the work of ministry, Right. you know, and, and that, um, I think is a, is a good example of, of just showing how he separate in his mind, those are separate, uh, issues. Um, and so, and, and he does that like what the text says so that he would not be a burden Mm -hmm. to other people. Uh Yeah. Um, but uh, but at the same time too, we also see other passages talking about, uh, I think it's in, Ooh, uh, I'm going to blank on this right now, but I think it's in Colossians where, where Paul is, is admonishing the churches to take care of people who are doing the work of ministry, um, financially, um, so that they can be committed to doing the work of ministry. And I think partly that's because he knows how hard that is. Like it's hard Mm -hmm. to be working, sort of be bivocational. Um, and there's a lot of pastors and, 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 um, and uh, people uh, who are on staff at churches who do that um, in by vocational ministry, but it is really hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's hard to do. Well, let's go ahead and read the passage and uh, get into some of the issues that this passage brings up. would uh, would one of you guys read that? This is verses this is second Thessalonians, chapter three verses six through fifteen.
1: But to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you are walking in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not such persons we command and encourage, or encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother.
0: All right. Yeah, thank you. So there's quite a bit in here to unpack, and I think some interesting um, little notes that I think we should probably touch on with this. Um, first of all, I think it's, it's fascinating that... Um, we, right from the beginning, that this was a a teaching that they received, that the mm-hmm. that the Thessalonian church received to talk about this whole issue of of idleness, um, not working, which tells us. I mean, if, if, so so just a little maybe theological note. There's something that we do here when we read letters like this in 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 scripture called mirror reading, right? And so mirror reading is this idea where we look at what are the things that they're talking about, and what does then that thing that they're talking about tell us about the community that was that they're that they're writing to? Because mm-hmm. both in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, he addresses this issue of working, and that there's people that are that, that there's people that are idle, uh, that are not working, which tells us there's that, that this was a problem. Right. Um, this was probably an issue that this church was dealing with, that there were people that were, um, for whatever reason, not actually working, not, not taking care of their own needs, not participating in that stuff. Um, let's just pause there for, for a second. Um, where can, how can we take mirror reading too far sometimes? Is that, is that a reliable way to then interpret the passage? Um, just thoughts on that.
2: I, I think it's it's a good tool to try to get an idea of mm-hmm. uh, of what we're what we're looking at and what's being discussed. But obviously, I think it can be um, it can be taken to the point of this is what was going on. Or just overemphasize you know? where that's
1: yeah. then the uh, the the main focus rather than
2: mm-hmm.
1: considering that it, is, it it is something that he spoke on, but maybe it wasn't the. I don't know the main idea of what,
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it seems like we can take some clues from it, but not, I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to read into it so much that we're, that we're basing a whole theology around. Yeah. That, making right, it. Yeah,
2: And so like, I can't think of the exact example, but like an example of this, I think we've even seen his, I say historically in the last 20 years of the churches, there's a lot of, you know, people will find a story, you know, or they'll be like, okay, he was a shepherd and they'll find this obscure example of, well, in this context, you know, they, you know, maybe for the old like broke the sheep's legs thing to like carry them around thing Yeah, where it's like, that's, you know, and then they take the passage where they're talking about shepherding and they go, this is what Jesus would do. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah, or what he's instructing them <laughs> like to do with those in the church. It's like, well, one, like, we don't even know if that's what happened often. Yeah. Like two, does it apply directly? And so again, it like, it gives you, it gives you a little bit of insight but it should probably be said, um, just the same way when Scott was addressing even Jesus being a carpenter in the sermon. Did you listen yeah. to how he said it? Yeah, he said, you know, we he said, you know, we believe that he was a carpenter in this. And what he's saying is like, there's not a whole lot of time of him talking about being a carpenter, right. <laughs> you know. Right. So so we based off of what we read, we interpret it. But we're not holding to like if we found out Jesus, you know, ah, that wasn't that was just a hobby. You know, <laughs> sure. we wouldn't we wouldn't change our entire. Or it's like, Jesus. or we all should be carpenters. Yes, or, you yes. Know, yeah, exactly. That would be the most extreme. <laughs> yes, yeah. So yeah, I
0: think that's. I don't know good. that's helpful, but yeah.
2: it's hard to think of examples.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that mirror reading is a helpful tool for our listeners to to keep in mind when they're looking, yeah. especially reading letters, the 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 epistles, mm-hmm. um, because that can give us some insight into what may be going on, which then helps us to know why they're actually writing the things that they're writing. So that's probably what's happening here is there's something going on in the church in Thessalonica where, um, uh, where work is like, there's maybe a a subset of the church there that is just not, not Mm -hmm. working for whatever reason. Um, before we kind of get into some of the, the, the meat there though, let let me ask, let me ask this just from a, a theological perspective. Are there good reasons to not work?
2: First thought that comes to mind is is the Sabbath, not not just. I mean, that's not exactly what you're asking, but sure. like just the idea that that rest is instructed mm-hmm. <laughs> alongside work. Yeah, um, and and I think what we see uh, this is more. It's a little bit theological, but I think sometimes people return too quickly to work um either for a source of distraction from what's going on in their life or they mm-hmm. turn to work out of avoidance or they just are so def- their their whole identity is built around their work that they go back to work where i think it is good in certain situations to um pause from work <laughs> you know <laughs> uh to pause and to say okay god in this season uh maybe you're you know you're removed from a position you know at work or you know, you have a, a situation where I've had friends where they have to move across the country because something happens in their family, mm-hmm. you know, and often we think like, okay, I got to get right back to the thing I was doing, mm-hmm. but it might actually be a situation where it's good to kind of pause and reflect. Not, not again, you're not withholding from, I guess, work in general, you still work, yeah. but maybe what your idea of work and what it is. Um, cause yeah, I think again, as someone that's working with teens, um, I talk to a lot of teens who struggle with communication with their parents because they're hard to find time to communicate with them Mm. because they're working so much. There's a time to stop.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I guess that's what I'm keeping
2: a balance. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Sure.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think work can definitely be overemphasized as an idol. And then we either worship work itself because of what it makes us um, believe about ourselves as giving us identity, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. or we just crave what it provides us. Um, and I think that might be where we get, you know, the overwork, the overworked American culture of just finding value in our jobs and thinking if I'm busy, then I'm important. If I'm working right. hard, then I'm important. And we forget that the important things that may be smaller things and everyday things like our family or um, having time to go to coffee with friends then um, those get left out. And then truly, what are we left with? We're left with the job rather than the result of why the Lord created us in his image to work. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and we don't do this often. So I'm going to do this one time. But Chris, I was reflecting upon this a little bit yesterday mm-hmm. with your wife made a post about you that was very sweet. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. But, you know, um, <laughs> in in seasons of where we're busy, we might have a tendency to come home and be like, I've done my work for the day. I'm shutting it off. Sure. But there's, there, you know, you're in, what what he's talking about here is idleness, which which idleness is saying like I'm going to withhold from doing anything productive. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Chris, the post your wife made it's you know, okay. Yesterday's a day of rest in some sense, but it's like you're cleaning dye out of your daughter's hair. You're you know I forget I forget the other things she said, but she gave two or three things that it was like this is what you do. I think we can have a tendency. Um, we I see this sometimes where people go I worked. Now I'm home. This is kind of where that whole sacred secular divide piece, you know, I'm, I'm home and now I'm done and I'm not going to do anything for the home. Yeah. And I think, I think again, it's like, no, it's, 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 it's God honoring to work hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, you're right. The, the idleness thing is the Mm -hmm.
0: issue, which kind of brings me back to the original question, because what if there are people who who physically cannot work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. How do they, how do they obey this command at that point?
1: Mm-hmm. When you think about work, um, if we were to define it and I think Scott did a really good job of going back to the garden to think through some of those questions of, first of all, work being a design of God before the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in it, being a work of cultivating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like if we're created in God's image, what he is as a God of order is that we're, we're cultivating and bringing order to things around us. And I think that you can do that in many ways. Mm-hmm. You could probably do that from a bed if you had to, yeah. mm-hmm. um, especially in the world of technology now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I think that there are many adaptable ways. But if you're talking about someone who's, you know, in a coma, sure. obviously not. Yeah, there's
0: a situation right. there but, but yeah. But yeah, there's lots of different things that people can do um at this point. And and again, it's not always about what what do you do to make money. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's about what what is the meaningful work that the Lord or that that the Lord has called you to number one, but but that can be used for the kingdom of God. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I think I think that is again, I I we've been talking around it, but again, it's it work is, you know, you think about the parable of the talents. You can think about God's design and creation. Yeah. It is being faithful to God um, and working what he's given to you mm-hmm. out of an image bearer. Mm-hmm. So it's this identity that's been placed on you. And it's saying, okay, how it's not saying <laughs> how would God do this? <laughs> you know, in some sense it is, but it's saying, how can I reflect God in the thing that I'm doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, whether it be my parenting, whether it be the way I manage my house, whether it be the way I manage my yard, as we've talked, to, you know, yeah, talked yeah. about, whether it be my actual vocation, big, my job at work, I've
0: like got to give a big apology yeah. to my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> la- I finally mowed my lawn this weekend after like a month. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> and and under, again, understanding our fallen nature, but but it's it's saying again, how are we going to live out this identity in the things that we do? Yeah. And what Paul's saying is, there's a um, bend in this community that we would say we have towards idleness mm-hmm. or laziness mm-hmm. towards saying, oh, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna do the work that's been put before me. So for someone that physically can't do those things, well, it's almost as if, I don't want to say it in the sense of kingdoms, but it's like your circle of the work has been drawn smaller. <laughs> so do the sure. things that you can do. Sure. <laughs> right. But, yeah,
0: but even with technology, it's
1: it, it, doesn't it doesn't have to, have to be yeah. smaller in some yeah. ways, which
0: is amazing. Yeah. The, I, I think at the heart of it truly is this idea. It, it, idleness ultimately is self-focused, right? Yeah. So it's the idea of like, I want time for me. Mm-hmm. Like, where is my time, you know? And I get that sometimes we need, we need something like that. Like, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so like a little bit about me. I'm a napper. Mm-hmm. I like to take naps. And so so typically when I come home in the afternoon, if I can get like a 20-minute nap in, man, I'm good for the rest of the night. Uh, when I don't get that sometimes, I'm like, I'm a little bit grumpy, <laughs> right? So, uh, but to have a little bit of time like that is helpful for me. But for me to steal away an entire evening would be self-centered. That would be that idleness type of a thing where I'm like, I'm just going to go lay down and I'm not going to engage with my my kids or my wife or anything. Mm-hmm. Um that would be self-centered of me yeah. at that point.
1: Yeah. I see something that it's interesting in verse 11 um that Paul talks about idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Yeah. Busy bodies. <laughs> which seems like the antithesis of idleness. So I have to wonder is there is there is there multiple things being Yes. Okay,
0: so um, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about Good. contextually in this because Good. that 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 word is really fascinating because that is such a modern like slang term yeah. that we we ha- kind of carries this connotation for us of like gossip mm-hmm. ultimately, and I don't think that's essentially what it's getting to. In fact, the the Greek there, which um, I'm not going to try to pronounce because it's like this crazy compound word, but anyway, um, but. The Greek there uh, essentially means it says this: um, to take more pains than enough about a thing or waste one's labor on. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. it's like this idea of, of working, 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 really for no good end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or in in some context, it may be something like appearing to be busy when you're really not. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. it's that kind of a thing, and, I mean. Let's face it, we've all kind of seen that kind of thing happen, like whether that's us or or coworkers around us or whatever. We're just like, hey, you know, the guy in the cube next to me has been sitting there playing Galaga on his computer all day, you know, like (laughs) what is going on? Uh, He's pretending like he's working, but he's not really working. Um, That's what's going on.
1: You know, something I I don't know if you'll um, mind that I go here, but it. It is worth it to think about, like, in the church, have we been guilty, too, of just being busy bodies with with, um, just appearing busy about Christianity, but Mm -hmm. not really having an aim or a purpose Mm -hmm. to what we're doing? Yeah. Um, Because I think that there's ways that, as believers, we can even take good things and Mm -hmm. make them into the wrong thing absolutely
2: yeah no no I again as as I, as I reflect even reflecting more in this discussion we're having than in the sermon mm-hmm. I think I can think of the areas in my life just in full transparency where it's like oh I can be drawn to those things mm-hmm. you know um, like even just from the beginning um, you know JC um, JC my wife is a super hard worker. Like she just is like, mm-hmm. she works hard. She's diligent. Um, she does anything. She, she, she tries to do it really, really well. Yeah. That is not my natural bent. Um, it's, it's not been that way. I would be honest. My first couple years of ministry, I look back with regret because I go, man, I had a tendency to like bounce around from office to office, just chat with people, just kind of hang out, um, and rely on my, you know, my God given natural abilities and not really work hard. Mm-hmm. um, And, you know, that has morphed over the years, which makes it easier to talk about on a podcast like this, but (laughs) it's like, um, to where I've gotten to the point where I'm like, no, I do want to work really hard for the work of the kingdom. Yeah. Now the other side you're talking about, Ariel, um, is I can find myself sometimes getting so in the weeds, working on something that doesn't actually have any, um, it may be some philosophical thing that's so in the clouds Mm-hmm. You know that at the end of the day, I can go a whole week and be like, "Did I bear? Was there any fruit from my labor?" No. <laughs> you know, on, the, on this on this thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think which all, isn't
0: always a bad thing. Like you yeah. have
2: to do that stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but, but there are times where there. I can look and yeah. go and like, wow, I spent a lot of time really thinking about this thing that didn't. Yeah. And so so I I experience all sides of that. You know, mm-hmm. I I experience the the drawing towards laziness. I experience the working, um, and then in my work, I greatly want to be validated. That's another struggle, you know? So why do I wear, why do people wear work like a badge of honor? You know, yeah. we were talking about earlier. Well, cause they want people to think that they're working hard and, you know, and then the other side of the coin, as you're saying, is I often spend a lot of times on things that really don't produce any fruit. Um, and then there are also the seasons, as we were saying earlier, where it's like, I want to appear, to be busy, <laughs> you know. My wife makes fun of me on a Sunday. It's like if I don't have a job, I'm gonna find a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. And so, just to be transparent with you all, I think it, we're I'm not, we're not speaking from a place where we're like, yeah, we're not drawn towards these things. I'm like every single one we've talked about, I can I can tell you where they can show up in my own life. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Same. Yeah.
0: Let's look at the theology of work overall, going back all the way to the the beginning, to Genesis chapter 1. Where do we see work at the beginning, And, um, and how does that help to inform us about what work looks like for us today?
2: So Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have a couple commands there, uh, two specific commands. One is be fruitful and multiply. Typically that is connected to like childbearing in this mm-hmm. context. But could fruitfulness there also have some sort of work context? Or what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Hmm. Well, um, I read a really great book by T.D. Alexander, uh, last year on um, on Eden and just the idea of God's kingdom spreading to the ends of the earth. And mm-hmm. I, it seems like that was probably the direction that creation was going, is that this command is to multiply His his rule and reign over the entire earth and right. them acting as his representatives. So right. I could see that going beyond even childbearing to just... Multiplying his kingdom, yeah, and then of course we see the new New Testament um, bring in the Great Commission, where it, it mirrors this and where to be fruitful mm-hmm. and multiply, and the fact that we are spreading the gospel and mm-hmm. yeah. um, making disciples. But
2: all right, I'm getting super super in the weeds here. Yeah, but this is something you and I have discussed before. Yeah. Um, in my generation, the younger generation, there are many people that they are choosing not to have children. Now I, I want to be very sensitive. I'm not talking about people that can't have children yeah, um, due to whatever reason physically you can't have children. I'm not talking to you. yeah. So, but there are people who they are choosing not to have children. And the primary reason, if you really look at the heart of it is selfish intentions of wanting to kind of have a certain level of peace and enjoyment in their life, self-fulfillment, you know, chase like all these things they want to do sure. and accomplish. Um, that they think children will will prevent. Um, so when you ask the question and you say, "Okay, what could this fruitfulness be saying about work?" I think there is a discussion around choosing not to have children that could be saying, actively making a choice to say, "I'm not going to have children," um, and not have. I mean, God, I mean, there's reasons to not get. I mean, let me let me go one layer. There are reasons to not get married. And there are reasons to not have children that also are God honoring. So I'm not saying those don't exist, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying there also are decisions that are not God honoring to say why I'm not going to have children or why I'm not going to pursue marriage.
0: Kind of pursues or kind of talks about like parallels what you're talking about with first Corinthians seven, where Paul says, um, you know, this is, uh, I say this, not the Lord, which that's an interesting thing, but, um, but that. He wishes that all were as he was, and, and he talks about, like, to people who are married, they have to kind of split their time mm-hmm. between their family, the ministry to their family, and then the work of mm-hmm. ministry to others. So there's, there's a question there of what does that all look like? but um, So there, there is some truth yeah. to that. So yeah.
2: let me make it as clear as I can. This the question it raised in my mind, was, like, there are, um, there are reasons... Really, it's to look at the fruit of your life. (laughs) But it's like there are reasons to choose to not to have children that may not be bearing fruit for the kingdom. And I would say that's not God honoring Mm -hmm. Um, the same way that there are reasons to choose not to get married, married, that may not be God honoring. And you could flip it, too. There's reasons to get married that would not be God honoring. There'd be reason to have children that would not be God honoring. Yeah. But it's really about producing the fruit, I guess, is is what the question it raises in my mind.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, uh, the, the next command he gives there is about having dominion over the animals. So there's that piece. And then when you jump down to um, uh, chapter two, verse 15, we'll go ahead and read this one. Uh, you have two more commands that are given here. Um, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Um, so these are, these are really, uh, fascinating words here, um, because they're, they're actually temple worship words mm-hmm. in, in Hebrew. They're words that are used later in the book of numbers to talk about the, the work that the Levitical priest did when going into the temple, this idea of working and keeping, um, And so – and then it says, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that Mm you eat of it, you shall surely die. But – so there's that that fourth command. So the third command here is the one that specifically does uh, talk about this idea of work, and the work is limited to – at this point – uh, what's happening in the garden, right? So the, the man and the woman are in the garden. He is charged with working it and keeping it, uh, caring for it. But all of that then is, is, is then, if we follow the story arc, frustrated once we get to chapter three, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens there in chapter three, and how does that connect to this, this theology of work?
1: Mm. This is good um, because Scout. Scott talked about this, and um, and I'm so glad that he did. He brought up that work is, um, is, is a, is a command. Obviously, before the fall, so the fall's coming afterward. But once the fall hits, then we see this work start to turn into toil instead, <laughs> um, and so it is marred by sin, just mm-hmm. like everything else in creation. And um, and so, um, I think that, that that's important for us to keep in mind. Knowing that while we're still commanded to work and to to carry out um, our commission and all of this, that there will be hardship in it, mm-hmm. um, that it's not going to be always peaceful and joyful, and um, you know, like a musical.
2: Yeah. So so I'm hanging I'm hanging on the word dominion. Mm-hmm. What does dominion mean? Exercise your influence over mm-hmm. type of a thing. Yeah.
1: It's like a rule and reign.
0: Rule and reign. Yeah. And a lot of times when when people look at this, we we look at uh, and, and in fact, I, th- I think the scripture points to this idea that Adam was supposed to be the king, right? Yes. And that this idea of dominion um, is illustrating uh, or, or really commissioning Adam for the kingship of being the, the head yeah. of humanity and and mm-hmm. then also all of the animals and and creation and things. And so he fails at this, yeah. which ultimately points to Christ who really is... Uh, our, our, our one true King who truly has dominion over all things, which mm-hmm. is why he says at the great commission, right? Um, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So he has dominion, mm-hmm. yeah. um, truly.
2: Uh, so where Adam failed Christ succeeded. Yeah. So, so those are some of the questions that I think when, when I look at these passages that I, that I try to answer again, what does it mean to be an image bearer? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it mean to live out the image of God that's been placed on us? then dominion, okay, so you start to say, okay, it's to have kind of rule over, but over whose kingdom, Mm -hmm. you know, is it our kingdom or God's kingdom? Okay. It's God's kingdom. And it's out of this identity of image bearer that's been placed on us. Mm -hmm. So it's to rule as if God were to rule because he's entrusted us with that um, for his purposes, (laughs) not for our own. Um, And I just think that's important language when we're looking at this passage to kind of understand, okay, this is how we get our identity for work out of it. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not our kingdom. It's not rule how we would rule. It's the identity that's placed on us by God to rule as God would rule because mm. we're ruling out of the, his image. Exactly.
1: Um,
0: yeah.
2: And that's, that's how really we get good. this kind of this simple
0: theology of what work looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah. That's really good because I think it brings us back to this understanding that, I mean, truly everything does belong to him. And it's, so, mm-hmm. it's, so It doesn't. that means that it's not about money. Right, mm-hmm. uh, if God owns all the money, right? All the silver and gold are His. So, so it's not about the money. Uh, he provides for us in that, um, and it really isn't about building up our own kingdom either. Which I think a lot of times work becomes something like that for us, right? We want to build our own kingdom if we're entrepreneurial in our um, endeavors. Uh, not that being an entrepreneur is bad, but but it's it's the motivation, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's what's behind it that it ends up sort sure. of tainting the, um, the, the effort that we're doing. So how do we, yeah, maintain that, that then perspective that all, if everything really does belong to God, we are there to cultivate his kingdom, you know, to be, to be workers in his fields. Mm-hmm. Then what does that look like? Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I do appreciate that Scott touched on gender a little bit, but I wondered if we could even draw that out more and talk about what it means to co-labor as male and female in the image that's of good.
0: God. Yeah, I think that's a good question because I think the the partnership between men and women in ministry has often been, um, I, I, th- I think I would say, overly separated. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know. Women teach the women, and, and women teach the children, right? And then, yeah. men, and then men, men just t- focus on teaching men and 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 things like that. Um, but is there a, you know, where? I guess the question there is where where really is the line, and and can can men learn from women, and 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 then also how can we work together to to then uh, complement each other and help each other in all this stuff? I, I I just think this is a great question because so often we we don't know where the line is, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so what we do is in the church often is we we add more rules on there mm-hmm. that there needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what the Pharisees did too, right? I mean, when you think about how, how that worked, they had the law, but what did they do? They added more laws to protect themselves from not breaking God's law right. so that yeah. they never would get exiled again. And I think that's kind of what's happened with a lot of um, uh, positions uh, on like the role of women in ministry and things like that. We've just added so many rules to it. Um, but for me, I'll tell you what, man. as a, as a, as a man, I have learned so much from women Mm -hmm. teachers Mm -hmm. that I truly value. Um, I've learned so much from Ariel (laughs) sitting here across the table from me. Um, And other female teachers like Jen Wilkin and Nancy Guthrie, man, just there's, there's so many we could talk about, but, but what's so great about that is, you know, those women have been given specific gifts and, and, um, and actually specific leanings towards things and a viewpoint towards things that I need. Um, I, I need to hear those things so that, um, because because God has given those those that emphasis to them, and I need that in, in my life as well. Um, that I get stronger because yeah. of what God is doing in them.
1: Mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that because it does it does um, create a really beautiful work environment that we've gotten to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just when I have been on staff with you guys, um, because the Lord does gift us differently. And, um, and, and I love the perspective of brothers and sisters working together for the gospel. Um, and I think that we're missing a piece of the family when we have just, you know, a one gendered, um, church where we emphasize one over the other and don't, um, don't consider all the richness of what it means to be, um, an image bearer both male and That's female. Right.
0: We lose out. The Absolutely. Church, the church loses out. Yeah.
2: yeah. And what you just said at the end, again, I, I know we're really trying to even think about just the theology behind this, but mm-hmm. so Genesis, I mean, one twenty-seven. So God created man in his own image in the image. He created him male, um, male and female. He created them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea here is, um, did he create them in the image of God? And that image is given to them, you know, um, both the same, <laughs> they both have the same image of God, mm-hmm. or is the full image of God expressed, not the full image of God, sorry, that's a little strong. So image of God still would be like a mirror of God. So I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. is God fully expressed in male and female? That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But is the image of God that God intended okay. to express...
0: You're, you're, you're not
2: you get what I'm saying? You're not You don't have half <laughs> image. So, so again, the, the image of God that God intended to be expressed is expressed through both male and female collectively, not individually. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So the question is, does he prescribe it to males? They have that same image. Does he prescribe it to females and they have that same image? Yeah. Or is the collective image of God given, shown through both male and female? Mm. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it's like a, you
0: know, God's masculine attributes are represented in males and God's fem- feminine attributes are mm-hmm. represented. I don't think it works l- like that. I, I, right. it, and and it's, it's one, first of all, it's impossible to tell from the text because yeah, it's, it's the, one the text verse, does not yeah. give us much more than that. But I think whatever the image is, and it could be a number of different things here, but it, I think that it is represented um, in male and female uh in the same way. You know what I mean? I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's like fragmented between male, male and female, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah.
1: I do think that we, what you're trying to get at though, I think is that collectively, do we represent the image of God better? I would say always yes, because it seems like the whole council of scripture says that, that the body of Christ is better when we're together. That's right. But mm-hmm. I don't think that the image of God is lost in on just one individual. mm mm-hmm male or female, yeah. it seems like image bearing goes beyond That's a much better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, well yeah. No, that's good. Um, so, you know, when you when you get into all the, the theology on it and how many people have disagreed over the years on, like, where does image bearing lie? Is it in the mind? Is yes. it in the action? Yeah, yeah. Is mm-hmm. it in the, the it ver- physical? verbal or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think we just don't fully know, but I think it has something to do with the whole being, you know, of the mm-hmm. person. So whether yeah. it's a male or a female, I don't think bears weight on it. But mm-hmm. the, the answer is yes, it, he is imaged. We are. Yeah.
2: Imaged I, I guess the question, the question that chairs. I'm kind of asking in my mind is when we go to the next layer and we start to look at how the outworking of this dominion, um, happens, mm-hmm. it's different, um, different, uh, really I mean, punishments, whatever you want to say are prescribed to males and females. Um, and the curses, th- yeah, the curses are, yeah, are different. They're, they're different, what's yeah. prescribed to them. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of working out the question in my mind of males and females will, um, due to their makeup, <laughs> will, um, present the image of God differently in expression because of the way that God made them. Or do you think that's unfair?
1: Um, this may not be, on well, there. that's, just... it's funny because like, I've heard you talk about, um, expression and gender, mm-hmm. and how um, you know a, a man can still love theater and still be masculine. Mm-hmm. Loving theater doesn't mean that he's not masculine. He's masculine because he's a man, and if he mm-hmm. is a man who loves theater, he is masculine still. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that the the inherent um, creation is where we begin, and then the outworkings are outworkings of what we've been created to be. And if we've been created as image bearers, and we've been created as um, male and female, we're already feminine and masculine because of who we were made Mm -hmm. to be. I think that the curse does seem to be specific, obviously based on the gender, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm unclear on how like, like all that works out. Um, obviously the, obviously the physical part of labor, um, child labor being, um, difficult and men never really experiencing that firsthand, I guess, you you know, you're going to, you're going to obviously see the differences there in physicality, but, Hmm.
0: What's interesting too about both of those curses, though, one t- towards the the woman and then to the man, is that they affect each other. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. So, so the curse isn't isn't just specifically geared towards the woman alone. It, it it affects all of humanity. Yeah. Um, and the same with the curse to the man. It affects all of humanity, male and female. So I think. Um, I I hesitate to say that it's based on roles because you know that gets into this weird th- thing of like, well, the you know the woman's yeah. job is just mm-hmm. to bear kids and hang out at home, and the guy's job is to work. Which I don't I don't think that that's the case. But I think that what you can see there is is that it's not a some a specific curse that just lands on the one gender. Mm-hmm. The curse affects all of humanity, mm-hmm. and if and ends up affecting um really the 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 progress of the kingdom of of, of being fruitful, mm-hmm. you know, it it, it affects that. Um, so if again, if God's plan was then kind of like what you're saying from Alexander's book, right? like that that it's about spreading his glory around the world, wouldn't pain and childbirth, Limit the 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 woman's desire then to have more kids and be like I don't want to go through that again or things like that you know to a certain extent I mean who knows but um, but but wouldn't that then affect that um, uh, that commission and the same with with the man that like, that now it's about man I gotta I gotta toil over what's happening here and I gotta give my life to this. Rather than, you know, toiling on the ground rather than to the spreading of the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's, there's a, it, it affects everything, oh,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: So I, I don't know if that makes sense. And I'm, I might just be.
1: It's just so pervasive and off here. And but. I think, I think there's more in there too, as far as like relationship between the two genders yeah. being marred too, and just yeah. the fallout yeah. of all of it. Just mm-hmm. like cinder blocks on our ankles now for everything that, that we do post fall.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, thank you guys. Yeah. I I wanted to get really in the weeds there. I mean, but, but I mean, I mean the simple, the simple thing, I think what we're saying that the passage does say is that men and women are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, Men and women are created unique. Mm -hmm. Um, We cannot clearly say how that expressed image of God is displayed uniquely in both of them. Right. Um, but yet, it's that therefore they both have work, yeah, and they're yeah. both necessary to the work of the kingdom. That's well, right. And in that too, no.
1: I want to point out that the work he says is is basically the rule and reign. The cultivate is for both man yes. and woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see these co-rulers together. And then of course, you know, Paul gives us some some guidelines later in the New Testament of how the family should work and how the church should work. But um, but I think we leave that out sometimes and forget yeah. that. That it is good for man and woman to yeah. um, to rule and reign together.
0: I think C.S. Lewis does a great job capturing that in the Chronicles of Narnia series, yeah. right? Like the fact that there are two two sons of Adam and two daughters of mm-hmm. Eve that sit on the throne, and that's that's essentially what we're talking about here. Is yeah. is um, we are uh, whether we whether we um, fully understand it or not, because I don't think we fully grasp all of that 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 this means, but that as co-heirs with Christ that we are, um, that we are part of that, uh, we are included in that c- commissioning to have dominion mm-hmm. again and, and will rule with Christ. And, and what does that, what does that all look like? We don't fully know. Um, but I think that, that both men and women are just like those sons of, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the sons of Adam, daughters of Eve from the Narnia series. And we, mm-hmm. we will sit on the throne and reign, um, with christ in christ essentially because we are in him we uh we reign with him and right. receive that as part of our inheritance
1: that's
2: good And until then we work and yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> until <laughs> then we work well
0: i do have one more question yeah. before we end we, we are way over time but that's okay this has been really good um at the end of this passage in back in second thessalonians he says um if any this is verse 14 if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. How, what does that look like in the church today?
1: Mm. I, mean, I think we're seeing some church discipline here. There's some specific church discipline from Paul for yeah. this church context especially. and I kind of think...
0: echoes 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
2: well, and, and do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. As a brother mm-hmm. too, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that that's just that admonishment of, um, of iron sharpening iron, of, um, you know, you have to be in relationship, first of all, to be able to talk, to speak these things into each other. Um, and maybe that is a good alarm for us as the church to really pursue community to the level of where we are able to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. To, first of all, witness what's going on and then be able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, together in relationship Um, because, I I mean, brothers are close enough that they know what's going on in each other's lives. And perhaps we have been, I'm just going to throw this out here. Perhaps the whole American church has been guilty of being busy bodies instead of being brothers and sisters. Mm. And um, perhaps we could give more of our, our devotion to being a family and having that be the ultimate goal than, to having lots and lots of things to do.
0: Yeah, I, I see a book coming on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I doubt that. But <laughs> but truly a passion. So we'll see. Um, but I think that's I think that's important for us to know that we are um, we have an aim in our work, and it should involve um, working toward the goal of relationship with the family of God for mm-hmm. spreading the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um. On the
0: earth. Well, hey, guys, this has been so good. Um, I really appreciate both of your insight on a lot of this stuff. This is processing, I would call it. I wouldn't <laughs> yes. say it's insight. Verbal process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, I think these are important things to be thinking about, and it gives us a lot of context, um, it, something so practical, but but the scriptures and, and thinking through um, the theological side of this gives us a lot of context of how this really meets the road. Here's the thing with this: I mean, oftentimes we think about theology, and 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 sometimes the American church, especially, looks at theology and says like, "This is the most impractical thing you could ever think about and talk about." But like, look at what we've just done in the last you know 50 minutes here is just talk through something that's like so practical, so rubber meets the road, and it's grounded in theology. And so I I think there's a, there's a case there for really digging into theology, because that is going to inform the way, like the way that we think about God is going to inform the way that we live every single day.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Agree.
0: So, well, hey, thanks for listening today the Sunday recap. Uh, and uh, hopefully this was uh, helpful to you as well. Uh, if you have any questions, again, about the things that we talked about today, reach out to us. We would love to chat with you about it. And uh, next week, we're going to be diving into a new series on prayer. So that's going to be exciting. I'm excited to get into that as well. So we'll see you next time on the Sunday recap. Have a great week, you guys.